You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. We thank you that we can celebrate here on Easter. God, we thank you that we can rejoice here on Easter, that you are risen. And so, God, I just pray over every heart this morning. I pray a, a soft-heartedness in this place, an openness in this place, that we might hear from your word, and it might encourage, and it might transform, that it might renew this morning. So we give you this time. We surrender it to you, and we just say, God, it's all about you. The point this morning is not to glorify the name on the building, but to glorify the name and the word of God, which is Jesus Christ. So we we give it to you in your name. Amen. Amen. Can you find your seat this morning? Well, I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you found Banner Church that you got up this morning. I got your kids together. Um, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Josh. My wife, Katie, and I are the lead pastors here at Banner Church. And, man, we're just excited for Easter. Uh, I got to say, I've been so excited with our team. We have absolutely the coolest staff and leaders here at Banner Church. I got to say, it's amazing. Yeah, we can thank them. I, I have absolutely, absolutely been blown away. And we have a lot of people uh, that are stipend or not paid. And they just give and serve and love on this church and on your kids. Um, and, and, and in the kids' carnival. It's just amazing. It's absolutely incredible what they've put together. And I got to say, we have a lot of young, uh, younger staff at this church, and I know that, that we like to be hard on the young generation, but from what I've seen of this young generation, I have a lot of hope for the future of the church, because they are just pouring their heart out. And I love to see it, amen, I love to see it at Banner Church that we got people like painting signs who are 60 and 26 together, just painting stuff, worshiping the Lord. So I believe in that in the church, that it brings people together, unites them together, builds bridges. So it's really cool to see um, to have been doing this now for a year, leading this church, so I'm glad that you're here to celebrate with us. I do have a confession to make, though, real quick as I walk down the stairs to grab my coffee cola. If you've not had one of these things, it's crazy. It feels like it should be an affront to science, uh, but it's good, <laughs> and it tastes delicious. And there's your free plug, Nick. Um, <laughs> but I got a confession to make, and I hope once I make this confession to you, you will give me grace that you won't get up and leave and get your family and, and head out. You know, we're all broken people, and <laughs> um, people are freaking out. It's fine. I got a little confession, and it's this. I am a people watcher. Where are my people watchers at? Where are you at? See, I'm a people watcher, and, and here's, here's what happens. When I go into restaurants, if there's a booth, and my option is this way against the wall or this way, I have to look out. I can't look at a wall. It's weird to me. It's weird to have people, like, walking behind me. I can't handle it. But here's the negative is I love watching people. So if you're having a conversation and something, as much as you might love the person in front of you, if something more interesting starts happening, you can't help but look, right? Am I the only one or do you agree? Like, you can't help it. Like, it... If you are sitting there having a delicious meal, talking to your wife, like, yeah, I don't know, what do you want to do Friday? I don't know. Well, you know, there's like a new Safeway. We could go check out that new Safeway. And behind you, it's, <laughs> and behind you, you hear, well, I don't know. You shouldn't have shaved the dog into a mohawk. If you didn't want the mohawk dog, now we got to let it grow out. That conversation wins. I'm sorry. <laughs> we are now both going to invest in this conversation and just watch it. Like, just bring, bring dessert. We're going to be here for a while. They look like they, they're only on drinks. So Lord knows how long we're going to ride this out. But I, I can't help it. I love to people watch. And that's because, honestly, I, I'm fascinated by people and their story. Because listen, y'all, you're fascinating. You are fascinating. I, I think it's funny how uninteresting we all think that we are. When in reality, we are all unique. And what makes you unique is your story. See, every person has a story. And every story matters. Your story matters. If anyone told you it didn't, they lied to you. It does matter. Your story is unique to you. It's what makes you special and unique. And, and, and I really do believe that. And so when I'm looking at people, it's not to judge them. I'm just fascinated because I don't know if you think this way, but I think about this all the time. Like we all have our own thoughts and our own ideas and our own backgrounds, and that has come together in a collection that has formed an opinion that is now doing things. And that could be working. That could be fighting somebody in the produce section of a Walmart. Like who knows what, what amazing tapestry your life could weave for you <laughs> in your story. But I find it fascinating. And uh, I'll, I'll give you an example here. Um, my wife and I one time 
Uh, we lived in a, a neighborhood, emphasis on the hood, and uh, in our neighborhood, there was all kinds of beautiful things that would happen. Um, uh, like, you know, when you watch cops and you think, like, man, what house is that guy in the sweatpants crashing through the gate and knocking himself unconscious in? Here, that was my house. <laughs> um, so <laughs> things that would happen on my street, you know, we're sitting there eating dinner and we had a big window and I'm talking to my beautiful wife and she's just, she's wise and amazing. And so she's unearthing things from the word of God that are like informing everything and we're talking and, and I am so distracted. And what happens is my wife has known me long enough to know that she doesn't have to say anything. She just has to give me the deep sigh. Man, do you know what I'm talking about? This move of like, like they breathe in for an hour and a half. You got to start up here with your eyes and you got to move down to the left. And in this moment, this is more real in the second service. Uh, it's all right. There'll be enough people at my parents' house for Easter that we won't even probably talk. So we'll deal with this later. Uh, talking about grace. He's risen. But we, so we have this moment. And as we're talking, you will all feel grace for me in a second here. Because as we're talking, here's what happens. There's a gentleman, a, l a larger gentleman, walking in front of our window on the street. And in most neighborhoods, that's not cause for alarm. In my neighborhood, you know something was going to happen. And he's walking. And as he's walking, I, I kind of see him and jump back. And we're talking, word of God, oh, my goodness, the logos, the word, it's the word. And then, I, and then I jump back again. And this time I stay. And I stay locked in. And she knows because she stops talking and just looks at me like, why are you thinking like this? And I'm watching this guy, and I need to paint you a picture. Here is a man, and I'm going to tell you in order of things I notice and their increasing level of incredibleness. Is here is larger gentleman walking down the street, not unusual. But he's wearing a baby Bjorn, and he's front-loaded on the baby Bjorn. Larger, so it's kind of out. And he's wearing this baby Bjorn, and I'm like, that's kind of odd. As I look into the baby Bjorn, that's kind of got like a good bounce in its step, I notice that inside is a chihuahua. Oh, we're not done, y'all. Listen, you have no idea where I used to live. <laughs> the chihuahua itself, looking totally normal, is wearing chihuahua-sized goggles. Not sunglasses, goggles. And I don't know what depth of Amazon you have to dive into to find chihuahua goggles, but he found them. He found them. And so he's walking which what, with what I can only describe as a disc man. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about, a disc man. Because you've got to walk at a certain pace or else it skips. So he's kind of like, you kind of got to let one hit, like, not go as quick so you don't move it. So he's walking, and he's got the dog and the goggles, and he's moving. And I think, would you agree that it's okay to pay attention to that? Right? Like, we would all get stuck there. And that's what happens to me all the time because I don't know if you knew this, but that stuff is happening literally everywhere. Like, there's just the craziest stuff happens. If you are bored on a Friday afternoon, just go to a Walmart and just watch it all go down. And you will be like, what is going on? People are finding loved ones in the frozen food section. People are fighting each other in the produce. I don't even want to tell you what happens in sporting goods. All kinds of things. I, I love Walmart. No shame in the game. I apologize for nothing. Um, thank you, baby. Um, <clears throat> But I, I love that about people is that, I, and, I, and I watch people because, I've, not to judge, like I, I don't think anyone's like bad or different because they have a different story. I love that you have a different story than I do. Like I don't want everyone to have my story or be like me because I'm a lot as it is. I love that every person has their story. And so I get caught people watching all the time. And what's funny about this is I got kind of got caught people watching when I was studying for the sermon. It's interesting, as I was preparing for Resurrection Sunday, um, this is my second Easter as a lead pastor. The first one was four weeks after we took over, and that was like, survive, 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 Easter, still survive. But this one, I've just been praying and preparing and getting ready for and believing big things. It's amazing. We had 80 people here on Good Friday. We've had two full services here, and I've just been so excited to see not about the numbers, but about the life transformation that's occurring. And so I'm like, I'm like, oh, man, I'm stressing. i got to pray for this message. i got to get into it. i got to get something deep from the word so that people see this. And as I'm praying, this story keeps popping out at me. And I'm like, Josh, you cannot get caught people watching when you're trying to write an Easter sermon. People are going to know. 
And so as I'm preparing for this sermon, this story is getting in my heart, and I felt like the Lord say, this is not a distraction from the resurrection story. This is what brings it home and makes it personal in our lives. Because I really believe that there's something that happens here when Jesus rises and who he instantly meets with that I think brings it home for us in our own life. And this is a person who has a story, and the story has value, and I believe it speaks to the value of our own story. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk a little bit about Mary Magdalene. If you have your Bible, I'm going to invite you to open to John 20. The words will be on the screen. We'll talk about it in a second. But uh, there's a lot of speculation about Mary Magdalene. I'm just going to share with you what the Bible actually says. And you can speculate on yourself, watch movies by yourself, I don't know, whatever. You can speculate all you want. I'm just going to read you what the Word of God says about Mary Magdalene. And I think the story is amazing. But Mary is the first person that Jesus appears to when he's resurrected. So Mary Magdalene is actually mentioned a ton in Scripture. I believe it's over 12 times that she's mentioned. Like there are disciples who don't even get that good of a name drop as Mary gets in all the Gospels. And of all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, she is heavily mentioned in three of the resurrection accounts. And I think a lot of what we see, we've been in a series called This is Jesus. And a lot of what we see in the character of Jesus is how he interacts with other people. Right, his character isn't just shown in a vacuum, it's showing, shown in interactions with others. And to me, one of the most beautiful interactions that we see in this moment is with Mary. And so I, I want to read that together uh, in John 20. If you brought your Bible and uh, you start in the New Testament, go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then go 20, scriptures in, or turn to your neighbor and say, help me, and they will find you 20, and it's on the screen. So we're going to read that together this morning. You guys ready? Good, amen. Hey, sidebar, did anyone get that tea that changes colors? Who got that? That was crazy. Okay, someone has to go get that um, <laughs> from the cafe. Um, but we're going to read this together. It's verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. And while it was still dark, saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she comes in the morning. She's coming to visit Jesus or visit his tomb where he had been laid. So, so she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, being John, and said to them, they had taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and when they were going towards the tomb, both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Okay, this is classic guy move, just to be on the record. John's... <laughs> John is basically telling us here, Peter ran, he was fast, but I was faster. Like literally this guy cemented into the history of all time that he won. <laughs> you ever do that? Like, yeah, we were out fishing and he caught a fish. I mean, I caught a bigger one, but he caught a fish. We were going to the tomb and he ran. I mean, I ran faster. And then when he finally got there, then we went in. <laughs> I, don't, I just think that's funny. Just, it just helps us remind, it reminds us that these people are people. They're not characters, not felt board figures. They're people. Um, and there's a whole other sermon in there that actually does exegesis there, but that's not important. But it says this, and stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, and he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed, for as Yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. So they have an encounter there in, uh, in the tomb. So they run ahead of Mary and have an encounter um, in, in the tomb there. And then they leave. And it says the disciples went back to their home. But Mary, so Mary gets there now. It says, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. Why was Mary weeping? Just because she was sad or? I think it was more than just sorrow in that moment. I think it was more than just tears. I think it was more than just loss in that moment. And I think that's because Mary has a story. And just like you and I have a story, Mary has a backstory. See, when we talk about Mary, we're not talking about Mary, mother of Jesus. We're talking about Mary from Magdala, who was a follower of Jesus Christ. When we look in uh, Luke 8, 1 through 3, and it describes uh, in the ministry of Christ who was following him, we read, it says, 
Uh, soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the 12 disciples were with him. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. And here's who the people he lists. The very first one. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. I did a lot of research about, you know, these, these seven demons and the infirmities and the sickness and the evil spirits and all that stuff. But here's what I'm going to sum up so we don't got to go into like a whole another message just on this alone. Is that Mary had a lot of stuff going on in her life and was heavily afflicted and Jesus delivered her. Are you with me? So Jesus delivered her. You might think your life is messy, but unless you've had seven demons cast out of you by the Lord Jesus himself, like that's pretty messy. Which means along with that. Is that there was shame, right, in, in the city. If you're acting under those infirmities, people oftentimes when we're delivered, we think del Jesus is willing to deliver us of the infirmity but not the shame associated for some reason. And so there's things going on where she, where she would have been uh, not only freed from the infirmity, but freed from the oppression, freed from the shame, freed from the guilt, freed from where she was stuck in. She was freed by Jesus Christ. And so we know that when she was freed, she began to follow him. She was a follower of Jesus Christ. I, I love that Jesus had a little different attitude towards women in his time than most rabbis would have had. Most rabbis would not have taught women, and they certainly would not have taught uh, single women who were recently freed from demonic possession. And they certainly would not have them follow them. But Jesus values people like they're meant to be valued. And he loves people like they're meant to be loved. And you know how he does that? Because he was there when they were created, man and woman. And he values and loves and cares for them. And so Mary is with Jesus. And if Mary was with Jesus, that means she saw the miraculous signs and wonders that Jesus did. She saw him heal, not only her, but others. She saw him move. She saw him change lives and transform people and restore things that were broken. John 21, 25 tells us, Jesus did many other things. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. So Jesus did so many miracles that we couldn't even just write down everything that would be, uh, that, that he did because there was so much. And Mary was there for, for his ministry in that ministry. So she saw it. But Mary was weeping because now the rabbi, the teacher, the, the one that she loved who freed her from her affliction and her infirmity, the one that she cared for, she had just spent the past few days watching him brutally be beaten and killed and crucified and laid in a tomb. And she was there. See, when the disciples scattered for the most part, when most of them left and ran and hid, who stayed? The women. They were the ones allowed to stay. So, so Mary stayed. When we read, uh, if you brought your Bible, just jump back uh, one chapter to John 19, 17. This is the crucifixion of Jesus. It says this, and he went out. So they took Jesus and he went out, bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote on an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, do not write king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. It says, when the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and they divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. Also his tunic, but the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top to the bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which said, they divided my garments among them. And for my clothing they cast lots. So, so the soldiers did these things. In verse 25, if you're with me, uh, follow with your eyes. But standing by the cross of Jesus, here, who's it, who was there? Mother, his mother's sister. Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. So she sees Jesus be beaten. She sees Jesus be crucified. And she sees the soldiers take his garments and take his clothes. And he is now shamed upon the cross. And she sees them literally gamble for the clothes of the one who healed her and saved her. 
She saw him breathe his last. If you have your Bibles, go to Mark 15, 33. It says, when the sixth hour has come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, behold, he's calling Elijah. He was actually quoting a psalm, but, and someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. Then Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain in the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. We talked about that at Good Friday service if you were here. It says, and when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. It says in verse 40, if you're following along, there were also women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene. So she's weeping outside of her tomb because it's not that someone told her. It's not that she heard through the grapevine. It's not that it was this neat saying. It's that she was there when they took the one who loved her and who freed her, who instilled value into her. And they beat him and they shamed him and they hung him from a cross. She was there when they mocked him. She was there when they gambled for his clothing. She was there when they took him from the cross and she was there when they brought Brought him to the grave. She was there for all of it. And now in this moment, she's standing out feeling hopeless. See, there's something really devastating, not just about loss, but the loss of hope. Neil Brunner has a quote, what oxygen is for the lungs, such as hope for the meaning of life. Mary felt absolutely hopeless. You know, some of you here, I know you walked in this morning and you put on a good face and a good shirt or a good dress and you got ready and you got dressed up. But inside, there's areas where, that you feel are dead and hopeless. There's areas of your life and your family. There's areas of your future and dreams in your life that you feel are dead or hopeless. Maybe you put your hope in something and now it's in the grave and it's not there, and you're like, what do I hope in now? What do I put my trust in now? What do I do now? Surely this can't be the end. What do I do now? What do I hope in? See, just when Mary had lost all hope, she encounters Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you this morning that if you came into this place and you feel hopeless, and it is not a mistake that you're here. It's not an accident that your friend leveraged their friendship to get you here. It's because they desire for you to hear. And Jesus wants you to hear the hope of Jesus Christ. He wants you to hear about a living hope, a real hope, a hope that overcome death, hell, and the grave. To hear about a real hope. And I'm going to believe that as you hear about it, you're going to encounter Jesus because it will change everything everything in your life. Let's read about the encounter. If you're still with me in John 20, 11 through 18. If you're still with me, say yeah. That's great. Amen. John 20, 11, it says, but Mary stood weeping outside of the tomb, and as she wept, she stopped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. I'm going to guarantee you that's not what she expected to see. That is not what she expected to encounter at all. It says, and they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Which to me felt a little insensitive. Because it feels decently obvious. But the question is important. Because they're leading her to the answer. And sometimes you got to ask questions that guide people to the right answers. Because they're not trying to correct her. They're not like, why are you crying? They're like, why are you weeping? What are you looking for? It says this. She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid them. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but follow me here. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. I think it's easy to be hard on Mary, to say, like, really, how could you not tell he was the gardener? Well, there's some spiritual things happening here, obviously. But I think even more important, when you are trapped in hopelessness, remember, this is not a metaphoric tomb that Mary is in front of. This is an actual tomb where the person she actually loved was actually killed and actually buried. 
And if you have ever stood by the tomb of hopelessness in your life, then you know that it is difficult to recognize Jesus. Because sometimes Jesus will come and try to encounter us, but we're so trapped in the hopelessness of our grave and the tomb and the situation that we almost don't recognize him because we're so focused here that we turn around and we almost couldn't even imagine that he could be here in this moment with us. Because it's so hopeless and it's so broken. We expect Jesus to be in the beautiful moments, in the beautiful places, in the beautiful things, which he is. But we rarely expect to find him right outside the grave in the tomb of where the dead things were. But Jesus came to encounter the hopeless. It says, Jesus, uh, 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. I love that's all that took. Just saying your name. Some of you this morning, God wants to call you by name. When Jesus calls you, it's not some vague, you know, like call to prayer over the whole city. It's specific to you in your life. He's calling you by your name. When he called Terry, he didn't say just some blanket. If someone here, he said Terry. And he spoke to your heart just like he wants to speak to yours today. When he called me, he spoke to my heart and he said my name and he called upon it. And in that moment it says she recognizes him. It says she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that, she, and that he had said these things to her. I love that she runs and she doesn't say, I found a nice teacher. She doesn't run and say, I found a guy that would look really good holding a lamb in a painting. She doesn't go and say, I found a guy that said some neat things about living, that if we all just came around, everything would be fine. She says, I found the Lord. I found the risen God. I have found God, the Lord Almighty. I have found Jesus Christ. What she's saying is Jesus is Lord. I've not found an idea. I've not found a, like a neat teaching. I've not found a help, self-help seminar. I've not found something unique. In it. I, I've found Jesus Christ, the Lord, the Lord God who defeated. And this is why it's important because if Christ is alive, then our hope is alive. And that's what she's telling the disciples. She's saying, hope is alive because Jesus Christ is alive and I've seen him. She came to speak life to them. And I believe that. And it's what we stand upon as Christians is that hope is living and alive because Christ is alive. Mark records an interaction in, in Mark 16 where the angels speak to, to some women who have come into the grave. And it says, do not be alarmed, they say. You seek Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth, who was crucified, and these are good words, he has risen, he is not here. He is risen, because he is risen, it means that hope is alive. And that means not only hope on this earth, but hope for eternal, John 3, 16, right? You might see it held up at a baseball game, maybe your parents told it to you at one point. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life eternal life see what is resurrection sunday why do we gather why do we do all this it's not it's not to get numbers it's not so like a lot of people will know about banner church it's not because we just love building things and painting them orange and green why do we make such a big deal about resurrection sunday it's because this is the day that we celebrate jesus took all the sin and all the shame for all of us to the cross, and he paid the price for us, and he went to the grave for it, and in the grave he defeated death and hell, and he rose again in victory, and he called us to victory, not just here, but for all eternity, amen? And that's why on Good Friday we said, there's no Easter without Good Friday. And Good Friday isn't very good without Easter. Because Easter shows, it shows these two parts of who God is. Shows his death and his life. See, his death shows his love. If you're taking notes, if you got that note paper, write that down so you remember. See, his death shows his love. I'm going to read scripture, so I want you just to write them down because they're going to go quick this morning. But it's important because everything we're saying is based on the word of God. It is the word of God. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. By becoming a curse for us. 
taking it upon himself. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 19. If, you, I, if you're looking for a portion of scripture to, to memorize in your life, I'm going to encourage you to memorize 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. It'll change your life. It says this, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespass against them. Anyone thankful for that? Amen. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. See, Jesus, we talked about this on Palm Sunday. We talked about it on Good Friday. We're talking about it again because it's important. Jesus is the spotless lamb. He had no sin. And he came to pay the debt for you and I, a debt that I could never pay, a cost that I could never pay. He came to pay for us. And he went to the cross and he took bore all of my sin and my iniquity. And he was lowered into the grave and the enemy thinks, aha, I've won. The enemy thinks, I did it. Death, that's his game plan. But then he rose again. Why? Because just like his death shows his love, his resurrection shows his power. This is important. See, his death shows his love. He died on the cross to take it, to bear it upon us, to show that he would take the cost. In rising, he showed that his love has power. 1 Peter 1.3 said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through a resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, Jesus has power over the grave. When Jesus rose again, he rose as one who was victorious over death. Think about this. We hope in a hope that is not just some cute phrase. We hope in a hope that is powerful and mighty and strong and defeated death. The enemy's biggest tool, that what the enemy's his, his trump card he always tries to play is death. But when he played death, Jesus defeated death itself. 1 Corinthians 15, 55, 57 says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I love that Jesus rose to bring you victory, to bring you a living hope. I really think a living hope is, is important. It's not just hoping in hope. It's not some abstract idea. The living hope of Jesus Christ, it brings hope for forgiveness. There's some of you this morning that feel like I, I have things in my life that I could never be forgiven for. There's some of us that walk in this morning thinking there's things in my life that I could never forgive someone else for. But the living hope of Jesus comes in and brings forgiveness. If you saw our, our, our advertisement or our, our, the cards we were handing out, that's what I mean, a little touch cards that said, um, forgiveness, fresh starts, and new beginnings, because we believe that, that the living hope brings a fresh start. So I never felt like, man, I just wish I could start fresh and, and be free of the old things and the old identifiers and the things the world had put upon me and the things that have been put in the shame in my life and those things. I, I want to release that. I want to step into the fullness of life. And that's what we believe a living hope does. It brings fresh starts. It brings new beginnings. The phrase that we used to always say all the time in church, and it kind of like fell out of vogue, but it's so key, is being born again. It's a new birth. It's a new life. You were born uh, through the womb, but now you're born through the spirit. And so it's a new life for you. It's a new beginning. Freedom, healing, true love, peace. All of these things come through the living hope of Jesus Christ. You can find a version of it somewhere else. But you cannot find an everlasting version of it except through Jesus Christ. And so when Jesus goes to the cross, he doesn't go for you, or he doesn't go for himself to just prove something or because he had extra time. He went because he loved you and he cared for you and he desires to have eternal life with you. And I think that's so important this morning, to have eternal life with you. Is that if you leave this place and can't say, I know where I'm going to go when I die, I know where I'm going to be, then it... Might invoke anxiety or fear in your life, but that's why we're so thankful that not only do we receive a living hope on earth, but for eternal life, eternally through Christ. And I know that's fallen out of vogue to say you got to figure out where you're going to go someday when you die. But let me tell you, we all have to face it. If you figure out a way to skip the grave, you come tell me, and I would love to hear it. But unless that, then you have a question that you will never escape or unanswer in your life. And it's this, where... Will I go when I die? 
But I think we rob it of the beauty when we just focus on the, the death at the end. Like it's an insurance policy. It's, it's something about now. It changes our identity. It changes the hope we have. It changes the life we've received that we not only have eternal life, but we have hope here and a victory here. And that's why I love that he comes to Mary. Because I, I can identify with this person. And I think it gives us hope today in a couple ways that I think makes it so beautiful, not only in this life but for eternity. And it's this, is it, it doesn't matter what the world says about you when Christ has redeemed you. Yeah, that was good. I'm going to say it again because I think some of y'all missed this. You came to Easter and it got a little warm. It's fine. It's 73 now. But hear me because it's so important for our life because we say we agree with this. But I've, I've seen y'all post on Facebook. Some of you do not believe this over your life and you speak things that aren't true. So I'm going to speak truth into your life. It doesn't matter what the world says about you when Christ has redeemed you. Amen? Amen. Some of you got to write that down, speak it into your life, etch it into the side of your car or your neighbor's car. Whatever you got to do to remember that in your life because it's so important. See, the world would have told Mary that she was not valuable. See, in that time, a woman's testimony, you'd have to get two women together to testify to equal the testimony of a man. So if you were going to just make up um, a religion, he probably... They probably should have picked a different person if they were going to make it up, like a scribe or a king or at least like a dude. But instead of that, he shows up to a woman that the world would have said was unworthy and unwanted and not the right person and not the right value. The world would have said he should have gone to a king. He should have gone to a ruler. He should have gone to at least a lawyer, at least a rich person to circulate his publication. He should have gone to somebody with some oomph. But he didn't. Who did he go to? He went to Mary. He went to a woman who he rescued from brokenness and shame, who was told by the world, you don't have a value. You don't have a value. But I love that the value scale that God has is different than the value scale that the world has. Jesus says, no, you do have value. You do have incredible value. And in fact, just because you feel broken and just because you feel distant and just because you feel like you suffered with shame or outside, just because you might feel like you've wandered away doesn't in fact mean that you are excluded. It means you are exactly who I'm looking for. You are exactly who I came to meet with. Matthew 18 tells us that Jesus leaves the 99 for the one. If you feel like the one, it doesn't ex exclude you. It qualifies you for what he came to do. When you feel distant, it doesn't mean that you should go be more distant. It means that God is pursuing you to draw you in because he loves you and he values you. Although the world might say because you don't have this kind of job or this kind of finances or this kind of racial background or societal status or this kind of gender or this kind of attitude or these kind of parents. It doesn't matter. What Jesus says about you when he has redeemed you is where your value comes from. I just want to encourage you. You might be the most cynical person here this morning. And when I speak to you, all you can think of is cynical reasons why I'm wrong. But I'm just going to speak to your heart this morning. And I'm going to say the hope has come for you. And even if you walk out of this place as cynical as you can be, the hope is still there. And Jesus is not afraid of your cynicism. But I believe he wants to speak life and hope into you. And he wants to speak fresh value into you and fresh freedom into you. Second thing this morning is hope is not dead when we hope in Christ. See, some of you, when you came in, you might feel hopeless today. You might feel like there's things in tombs of your life. But I believe that Christ has come to bring hope on Easter. That's why we're here. That's why we celebrate. That's why we're happy. It's because there's hope. Even in difficult seasons, there's still hope. You know, he's called the Savior not because he does neat things. He's called the Savior because he does what? He's called the Savior because he does what? Saves. Because he saves. He's called the Savior because he saves. Because he came to save. And I love Romans 10. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't say everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be casually moved out of their system. But, you know, if they do something wrong, he's just going to put you right back in. It doesn't say those who call in the name of the Lord, if they've been to church enough and done enough devos on the Bible app, they'll be saved. 
It doesn't say for those of you who have enough pedigree, for those of you who look like you think church people should look like. It's just saying for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what? Saved. I love she. She's hopeless. She's broken. But when she encounters Jesus Christ, she goes running to say, the Lord is risen. I saw the Lord. Because she saw the resurrection, that meant something powerful, meant he's really God. Because see, it wasn't really a big deal for Romans to kill people. They were super good at it. They were effective. They were efficient at killing people. In fact, it wasn't even surprising for them to kill Jewish people. And in fact, it wasn't even that surprising or unique for them to kill Jewish people who had kind of a following based off spiritual principles. And in fact, it wasn't even that surprising for them to kill Jewish people with some kind of following based off religious or, or social or political principles within the past hundred years before Jesus. What makes this powerful and unique is that he's the only one who was actually God. And who actually rose again. And you can knock on the door of every tomb and it will be occupied. But if you go to the tomb of Jesus Christ, you will not find stuff there. Because he's released. And though death was the enemy's ultimate move, Christ rising brought death to death. And it brought life for you and I. And so though you might feel hopeless or you might feel trapped in, in, in that space of feeling hopeless, can I tell you, Jesus Christ, if he had victory over death and he's got victory over anything in your life and we believe that he can bring hope into any situation, in any dark place, in anything that feels like a grave, there's still hope for you. Nothing's too far gone. Nothing's too far past. Nothing's too dead. God is a God of resurrection and redemption and we believe that he brings life to things. Third thing this morning, I'll invite the band up. Third thing, if you're taking notes, still. You still with me? Good, 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 good. Third thing this morning is Jesus makes all things new when we hope in him. What I mean is when we put our hope and our trust in him, we put our life, our heart before him, Jesus makes all things new. I'm going to read to you again 2 Corinthians 5. This is 17 through 21 again. I, I love this scripture. It's so powerful. It says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. Amen. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As much as I was people watching in scripture, I believe that, that God just spoke to me through this in this encounter with Mary because Mary is so much like you and I. This broken person like you and I. Jesus came to free her from oppression and the things that overwhelmed her and had overcome her. And then he rose to give eternal life. Can I tell you, Jesus loves you the same. God loves you the same. It's not like God loved her more than you let. God loves you the same. And he cherishes you the same. And he's come to you with the same hope the same life and the same freedom, fresh starts, new beginnings, forgiveness, that's Jesus, that's Easter, that's what it's about, forgiveness, fresh starts, new beginnings. See, no matter how you came in today, we believe and through the hope, living hope of Jesus Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. When you give him your life and you say, God, I choose to follow you, he takes the old shame and he replaces it with new freedom. He takes the old sin and replaces it with new life. He takes the old brokenness and he exchanges it for new wholeness. 
He takes the old sorrow and he exchanges it for new joy. He takes the old anxiety and the fear and he exchanges it for new peace. He takes the old rejection and the old hurt and the old bitterness and he exchanges it for a new love. He takes the old hopelessness and he exchanges it for a new hope. He takes the old death and he exchanges it for a new life. The old is gone and the new has come. And you and I, we're not so different from Mary. We all have a story. Your story matters. But I know in your story, if you're like me, a story has sin and shame and brokenness. And at one point in our life, we all have called out needing hope, needing life. And Jesus comes to all of us the same. He offers the same hope. You get a different level, a different grade based off your bank account, based off your background. You get the same living hope. And he's come he's asked you the question of will you receive it? The hope that will not fade. The life that will not reject. The old is gone, the new has come. If you need a fresh start, forgiveness, a new beginning this morning, I believe that Jesus has come to meet with you. And say, this is your moment. I don't know what happens when you leave. I don't know where you go from here. But at this moment, I know that Jesus has come to meet with you. Would you stand with me this morning? do this to me, would you bow your head and close your eyes? Every service we've given an opportunity, even on Good Friday, because we believe that this changes everything, that Jesus changes everything, and I desire more than anything for you to leave with forgiveness and a fresh start and a new beginning. Not all the answers, not everything figured out, but right now with your head bowed and your eyes closed, some of you have never made that decision to say, Jesus, I follow you with my life. You've never made that decision to say, I just take all my sin and my shame. I, I give it to you. I desire a new life. Some of you have never even thought about what happens at the end of my life. Where do I go? Who do I walk with? And in this moment, you're thinking all these things. Jesus has come to encounter you. In this moment, this is your one day. This is your one moment. Maybe you came in for a different reason, but you're here for this, to hear the hope, living hope of Jesus Christ and to choose to follow him with your life. And if you've never done that, then this morning we're all going to pray together and I'm going to invite you to repeat the prayers. We all pray together. Even if you've prayed this, we're just going to pray in unity together. This is your moment to just offer your heart. These aren't, these aren't magic words, but this is a surrender of your heart to him to say, Jesus, I choose to follow you with my life. So we're going to pray in just a second. And if that's you, I just invite you to pray that we celebrate with you as your name goes in Lamb's Book of Life for eternity. Let's pray together. I'm going to invite you all to pray. Let's pray. Dear Jesus. Well, let's pray. Pray with me. Dear Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Taking my sins upon the cross. Being lowered to the grave. Let's hear it. Being raised to life. I need forgiveness, a fresh start, and a new beginning. I repent of all my sins. I lay my heart before you, and I choose to follow you with my life. I receive your love this morning. I just feel like we need to say that again together, because some of you aren't sure yet, but he's come to give it to you freely. We just pray together, I receive your love this morning. And choose to follow you with my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
Hey, can we do this real quick in this place? If you've ever prayed that prayer, not at this moment, but just in your life, and, and you in your life maybe at one point prayed that prayer, it's just a way to encourage uh, others. Would you just raise your hand with me? You said, I, I've prayed that before in my life and chosen to follow Jesus. Awesome. Hey, I want to invite you to put your hands down. Uh, we want to celebrate with you, not to embarrass with you, but to rejoice with you. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, would you just lift your hand up and put it back down? We want to praise God. Awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Can we praise the Lord? Awesome. If you're one of those people who raised your hand in that moment, we actually are going to have my man Jacob's got some Bibles for you. On your way out, would you make sure to grab one of those? We would love to just encourage you on that journey. Again, it's not about having all the answers, figuring it all out. But we want we want to walk with you and encourage you. But I want, I want to pray for one more thing, and then our band's going to play, and we're going to give a, just a time to respond where you're at. And it's this, is that... I really believe that some of us came in here this morning feeling hopeless, whatever that might be in your situation. And, and just say this morning, God, I, I, need, I need some hope in my life. I need a renewed hope in my life. And so if that's you this morning, I want to pray for you, and I want to pray together. So let's do this. If that's you, would you just close your eyes and just lift your hand up? You're saying, I need a renewed hope this morning in my life, and we're going to pray together one last time before we go, and our band's going to lead us here. At the end, there's going to be a prayer team. We'll invite you just to come forward and receive prayer at the end. But I, I'm just going to pray for you this morning. If that's you, lift your hand. I want to pray with you. Every eye closed here. God, I pray this morning that you would stir up hope in lives. God, we thank you that we do not have to earn salvation, that it is a free gift that you have given. God, that you paid the cost, that you died, that you were resurrected. And so, God, nothing that we do here is to earn the love, but just to respond to the love. And pray, God, would you stir up hope in our hearts. God, we don't have to work to earn it. We don't have to try to appease you. We don't have to try to, to find your love or to chase it down. You have given it to us freely. So I pray this morning, God, that in the places that feel dead and the things that feel dead, God, we speak life and hope in the name of Jesus. We speak hope into the dead places. We speak hope into the dead things. We speak life into those dead places and life into those dead things. And God, we pray just as you were resurrected and have victory over death, hell, and the grave, we pray victory in lives this morning, victory in homes this morning, victory in families this morning, victory in cities this morning. We pray that in the name of Jesus. And as we sing this song, as we declare these words, God, we just declare your authority through the victory of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. We declare your authority in the victory of Jesus Christ over every place and every person this morning. Let's just worship him together.